Welcome to the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast, where we provide you with your weekly diagnosis of everything fantasy football. Whether it's season-long leagues, dynasty, DFS, or even IDP, we got you covered all season long. Let's do it, let's do it, let's get to it. Welcome into the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast. And of course, as always, I am your host, John June, at JR Football Nerd on Twitter. And if you hear some pep in my voice, you hear some excitement, that is because we are three rounds through the NFL draft. It is like Christmas for football fans, and I couldn't be any more excited. My New York Jets are having a great draft. The you know prospects are landing in spots that I want that I think are ideal for them. So let's just kind of jump into it, man. Uh, jump into the overall reaction um, of everything. And so obviously, number one, that was easy. Uh, you know, let's just start with the quarterbacks. Number one, uh, Trevor Lawrence. That's easy right there. We've talked about this for basically uh, since December. Uh, when we knew Jacksonville was going to lock up this number one pick, that Trevor Lawrence would be the, the Jacksonville Jacks, uh, Jags quarterback. And so when I look at Trevor Lawrence, uh, I look at a quarterback that we've talked about as uh, one of the best quarterback prospects in recent memory. I mean, going back to like Andrew Luck. I mean, I know Sam Darnold was highly touted when he was coming out, but he didn't end up being the number one pick. So Andrew Luck would have to be... Uh, I guess the farthest we go back, right? Joe Burrow hadn't been touted for as long as Andrew Luck and and Trevor Lawrence had been. So, uh, and I actually think, uh, you know, I was on a live stream with the good old boys and and, fa- and fantasy first rounders, all those guys on on Friday, uh, Thursday night leading up into the draft. And I think that the Trevor Lawrence hype is is even larger than 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 what you look at what Andrew Luck had done, right? I mean, Trevor Lawrence. The national championships, showing up to to Clemson as a as a freshman, as a true freshman, and, and leading them to a national championship. I mean, you know, um, obviously, I look at my quarterback model as well. Uh, the highest graded quarterback I've seen. I mean, my model only goes back to 2018 in terms of grading players. Uh, the data included goes back into the 2000s, early 2000s, but the the highest graded quarterback I've seen since 2018 was Lamar Jackson, uh, and and Trevor Lawrence grades out higher than him. He's he is the top rated quarterback prospect in my model ever, um, and it you know kind of makes sense when you look at all his college production. You know over almost a oh, over 10,000 yards, 90 touchdowns, 70 17 90 passing touchdowns, 17 interceptions. 943 rushing yards to go along with 18 rushing touchdowns. Uh, the dude has done it through the air. He also gets it done with his legs. And so when you look at what year one is going to look like from a fantasy perspective, and I've put this tweet out. It's actually currently the pinned tweet on my uh, Twitter account at JR Football Nerd. Um, the I've projected, I have a thread on you know rookie landing spots and all the projections for year one. I did the, just the first two rounds, and I'm only doing uh, offensive skill pos- skill position players. But uh, Trevor Lawrence, when you look at what year one looks like, I mean, combined, when you look at what this, you know, the situation is going to be like in Jacksonville, they're going to be down. They're going to be throwing, a, you know, a, a decent amount. So Trevor Lawrence is going to walk into some volume in year one. Uh, also, we know what he can do with his legs on the ground. We also know that Urban Meyer uh, has 
used his quarterbacks that way in the past. I mean, obviously, we know Daryl Bevel is the offensive coordinator. Um, you know, we've seen him progress to being a little bit more pass happy. Um, so I think being with an offensive minded coach like Urban Meyer will allow, you know, this to be a good situation for Trevor Lawrence. And you look at the weapons that he has in DJ Shark and LaVisca Chenault, um, you know, they, the running back situation is a little bit more complicated. That we'll get to in a little bit later. But, um, you know, you look at what Trevor Lawrence is, is you know, the, I like the prospects for year one. I've got him ranked right now as my QB 15 in total points. I mean, it's very early. Uh, you know, it's May 1st. So we, we definitely have some time. Uh, you know, a lot of things can happen between now and September. But, you know, I definitely look at Trevor Lawrence as a low-end QB1 or a high-end QB2 uh, and somebody that you could target probably in the same range where, uh, you know, we were targeting Joe Burrow last year. Uh, I think Joe Burrow did get a little bit too much hype near the end of the year, um, you know, as we really were getting into fantasy drafts. But I think Trevor Lawrence definitely, definitely uh, is, it fits that mode. Um then we saw what the number two pick was definitely expected. Uh, well, before I move on from Trevor Lawrence, let me just say this. Uh, I haven't done my full super flex or full player rankings. I've only have, you know done positional rankings thus far. But Trevor Lawrence, definitely the 101 in super flex. Um, I know we talked about if Justin Fields ended up, ended up with San Fran, that we'd have, a, have, we'd have to have a conversation. But Trevor Lawrence... The 101 in Superflex Leagues. He is the 101, um, you know, what, obviously Superflex, but if you're talking single quarterback, you know, Trevor Lawrence will go in the first round. I, I would advise against doing that just because of how deep this quarterback class is, especially. Um, but it's going to happen, you know. Uh, it, it, it just, you know, it's un- it's not unfortunate. It's just inevitable that somebody will somebody in your league, unless you're playing in sharper leagues, is going to draft Trevor Lawrence with potentially a top seven, eight pick in in your in your rookie draft. So let somebody else do that and get one of these other guys later. Um, now, when we look at the second the second quarterback off the board, that would be Zach Wilson. Uh, quarterback going to the New York Jets. Obviously, we've talked about this before, um, and this is some. This is interesting, right? Because before the draft, we talked about what what would happen if Trey Lance ended up going to the 49ers, uh, and then you know, obviously, would have me having had Fields two, Trey Lance uh, four, and Zach Wilson three. Uh, you know, there's definitely a world where Trey Lance is the QB two again. I have to really sit down and digest all of this, but Trey Lance in in forty in San Fran. Either way, no matter how you spin it, Zach Wilson is my QB four. Let's just get that out of the way now. Zach Wilson will most likely be my QB four. He most likely is my QB four. Doesn't mean I don't like Zach Wilson. Um, you know, I think Zach Wilson is a very good prospect, and especially in real life. I think he's. Uh, a better real life prospect than he might be a fantasy prospect when you just look at what Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, Justin Fields all bring with their legs. Uh, Zach Wilson, though, definitely, he's, I'd probably say when it comes to the mobility aspect, when it comes to the rushing, he's probably in a tier by himself, right? When you look at these top five quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, they're in that first tier when you're, if you're, if you're, 
breaking them down by mobility. Zach Wilson would be in that second tier, um, you know, where he's athletic enough, where he will he will um, be able to get a first down, be able to rush for a touchdown every now and then, uh, extend drives, keep keep them going. But he's not going to be like Mac Jones, right? So uh, I think that's definitely something to note there. But for me, uh, I think the prospects of Zach Wilson, I mean, I've, I've got him in year one, a modest year. I mean, the Jets aren't expected to be very good. Uh, their offensive line, while improved, still uh, could use some some help. And so uh, Zach Wilson comes in as QB 31 total points, um, you know, and, and I'm anticipating him starting the whole season. So, you know, that's definitely not great, but um you know, you you're definitely, um, you know, he he's somebody that probably going to stream at some points and matchups, things of that nature. But not looking for much in year one. Uh, from a super flex perspective, like I said, he's my QB four. Um, probably would be somewhere around my ninth, eighth to eighth to tenth player uh, overall if we're looking at regardless of position. Um, in Superflex, uh, obviously, you know, if we're talking one quarterback leagues, um, yeah, then we're, we're pro- like, like I said before, right? I've said this before, you know, you just look on Twitter, you could already see, you know, if, uh, half the people are already calling Zach Wilson a bust before he's ever taken an NFL snap. Same thing has happened with Daniel Jones. The same thing has happened with Josh Allen. The same thing has happened with Justin Herbert, um, we do this as a, when I say we as a community, we do this often where we label a guy before he even before he's even taken a snap. And, you know, if you've listened to this show for a while, you know that we like to leverage the market here. We know we like to take advantage of inefficiencies in in the pricing of players. And so the same way where Zach Wilson or not Zach Wilson, but uh, Justin Herbert um, Josh Allen. I remember Justin Herbert went the third round of rookie drafts last year, maybe even the fourth round of rookie drafts. And while Tua was going in the first or the second, and I was like, hey, this discrepancy in price doesn't make sense, right? I remember Josh Allen, he, he almost went undrafted in my rookie draft, right? Uh, Daniel Jones, fourth round pick in my rookie draft. Um, it happens every single year, guys. And so don't let this happen. This is a good player here in Zach Wilson. He's 85th percentile in my quarterback model. Um, just slides in just ahead of Justin Herbert. This is a good, good football player. Don't let the narratives on ESPN or the national media, you know, things of those na- things of that nature, don't let that affect or impact your judgment really make the decision here for yourself, right? Um, understanding that, hey, the Jets have had a pretty good draft here. So the very next pick, offensive line, at 34, they get a wide receiver and Elijah Moore. So don't don't fall victim to the narrative. Make, this, make the decision for yourself. Moving on to the number three pick in the NFL draft, and it was not Mac Jones. And I'm not happy that it well, I'm happy that it wasn't Mac Jones just because I've been saying for months that it wasn't going to be Mac Jones. So, of course, naturally, I have to be excited because, you know, we're all competitors and we like to be right and we like to think our takes are right. So I said, you know, I've been saying all along it had to be either 
Trey Lance or Justin Fields. Obviously, I thought it was going to be Justin Fields because I thought, my opinion, Justin Fields was the second best player in this draft. Um, And so, obviously, that considers quarterback being probably the most important position in football. But when you look at what Trey Lance brings, I think he brings some of those same things, right? Some of that stuff that I had talked about uh, back in February, which was, Trey Lance is where the NFL is going. Trey Lance, Justin Fields, even Trevor Lawrence, they are where the NFL is going. And so I'm talking about a quarterback that can be the offense, a quarterback that can come in, throw the ball, but also use their legs and their mobility to make plays, make plays out of structure, make plays around the goal line, extend drives by running for first downs, things like that. You know, Trey Lance has gotten comped. I mean, Connor Rogers, I love his work with the, with Bleacher Report, um, also does doing some, some work um, with SNY as well, pre- and post-draft coverage of the Jets. You know, he talks about uh, one of his comps, which I, I I love it so much for Trey Lance, Steve McNair, uh, and and when you're talking about a a big kid with a talented right arm, but also you know is a powerful runner in the open field, right? I mean, he's not like Justin Fields is more of like a, a glider, and he's probably more explosive. Where Trey Lance is just you know a, a like a bulldozer in the open field almost, but he's got he's got juice with his legs. But again. This is a guy, 28 touchdowns, no interceptions in college, uh, you know, is coming from a smaller competition, North Dakota State. Uh, we saw Carson Wentz come from North Dakota State, uh, but again, scout the player, not the helmet. Um, so not comparing Trey Lance to Carson Wentz or saying his career will be similar to what Carson Wentz has done or had. Um, but when you look at what Trey Lance brings, you look at the fit with Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers offense, all, all the weapons. Um, you know, I don't think that Trey Lance starts right away. I, I have I'm projected him projecting him to play 11 games, uh, so seeding way to Jimmy G for at least the first six. Um, but when you look at what Trey Lance brings, I mean, I think there's going to be weeks where uh, Trey Lance is is the you know is a top five quarterback uh in fantasy when he does get that opportunity to start uh because what he will bring with his legs what he will bring you know just being in the 49ers offense in that ecosystem with brandon Ayuk and george kittle and devo samuel and kyle shanahan right so uh you look at what the kind of success that shanahan had with rg3 the shanahan's had with rg3 especially his rookie year uh, I think that you know you can expect, you know you can you know exa- you know what about what to expect from Trey Lance in year one, and so for me, uh, again, question is, do I have him as QB two or QB three? Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Justin Fields ended up in a, in a in a decent spot himself in 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 Chicago, which we'll obviously get to next, but. Uh, yeah, man, Trey Lance with the with the 49ers. I don't know. He might be my QB two. I don't know. Uh he is. Uh and now again, this this quarterback class, very highly rated. Uh, you know, I talked about Zach Wilson being in the eighty fifth percentile. Uh, all four of these guys, uh well I say all four of these guys, Trey Lance, Trevor Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson and, and Justin Fields, uh all top prospects 
in my model, all top 85th, 85th percentile. Uh, Trey Lance comes in the 94th percentile, just under Lamar Jackson, slightly ahead of Baker Mayfield, um, Zach Wilson, Justin Herbert. So, you know, uh, Trey Lance definitely has the tools, uh, and the landing spot here is is wonderful. So, you know, I probably will cop out and have Trey Lance and Justin Fields in the same tier. Uh, so that if you were to get either one of them, you would be happy. Um, and so I think that's kind of the way to approach it, right? Is as Trevor Lawrence is at the would be at the top for me, uh, and then having Trey Lance and Justin Fields uh, in in their own tier, slightly behind Trevor Lawrence, is probably where I would have them. Uh, but I think Trey Lance, Justin Fields, uh, all in conversation for that number two, number three pick in super flex leagues, uh, especially when you consider the mobility that quarterbacks bring with their legs. And so I'm excited about that. Um, Moving on to the QB4 of this class, the QB2 in my heart, uh, that is Justin Fields, man. I mean, I was holding out some glimmer of hope that Justin Fields would get drafted number two overall, but that's not what happened. Justin Fields, while sitting on the clock, uh, the Denver Broncos passed on him at nine. The Carolina Panthers passed on him at eight. But the Broncos, like, if they really think they're going to get Aaron Rodgers, which that's a whole other conversation that we have to have. But if they really thought that they were going to get Aaron Rodgers, I don't know, man. I don't know. Just Justin Fields was there in your lap. The thought of Justin Fields throwing a Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick and Noah Fant was very exciting, but no longer exciting anymore. Anyway, sorry, I was a little upset about that. But uh, Justin Fields, the Chicago Bears make the move to trade up from 20 to 11 with the New York Giants, who were probably a little butthurt that. Jalen Waddle and or Devontae Smith were both gone by the time they got to their pick at 11. Uh, they moved out of the spot, seated way to the Chicago Bears, who paid a first and a fourth uh, to come up and get uh, Trevor uh, to come up and get Justin Fields. And I am super excited about this move. You look at the Chicago Bears team. This is a good team that he's already ending up with when you consider. Uh, you know, what the Bears were as a team last year, uh, you know, on the cusp of making the playoffs. I actually think they did make the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but they were a playoff team last year. They have a playoff caliber defense, uh, championship defense, actually, if you want to go that far. Um, but they have a run game. Uh, they're, you know, they, they were able to get Tevin Jenkins in the second round to add him to that offensive line. Uh, so now you include Justin Fields in the mix, you know, with a coach like Matt Nagy, who's creative. Um, you know, we've seen what he's done with Mitch Trubisky. We've seen what they were able, what he, you know, obviously he was involved in, uh, you know, the development, the early development of Patrick Mahomes. And so uh, I think Justin Fields is coming into a wonderful situation here. Uh, happy for Allen Robinson, too. Like, you hear that? That's me clapping for Allen Robinson. Uh, you know, after having to deal with the likes of Mitch Trubisky, Nick Foles, Blake Bortles, uh, Christian Hackenberg, uh, Matt McGloin, wherever you, whatever you want to do, 
I'm happy for Allen Robinson because he finally gets himself a quarterback. We were at the point where Andy Dalton was arguably the best quarterback that Allen Robinson has ever played with. Marinate on that. No disrespect to Andy Dalton, but really that's what we were talking about with Allen Robinson here. And so Justin Fields getting the opportunity to throw to an alpha in Allen Robinson. Justin Fields getting the opportunity potentially. I hope he's the starter. I'm projecting him that way because you don't trade all this capital to go get Justin Fields and sit him behind Andy Dalton. No way you do that, not in my opinion, but NFL teams, they've done dumb things before, so I would not be surprised, but Justin Fields in year one, I would not be shocked. 17-game starter for Justin Fields, that would put him, in my opinion, as the QB 11 in total fantasy points. Marinate on that one. 609 rushing yards to thank for it. Um, but, you know, obviously very early projection here for Mr. Justin Fields. But I'm excited about this move for the Chicago Bears. I'm excited for Bears fans. You know, they kind of feel almost like Jets fans in a way. Uh, I feel their struggle. I understand their pain, uh, their desire for a franchise quarterback. The idea that their team has messed it up over and over and over and over and over again. I get it. But now they got it right, man. Justin Fields is going to be a star. I'm excited about the about the pick. I'm excited about uh, Justin Fields in Chi-Town, in the Windy City. Uh, good things are going to happen. This guy got to be a top three pick in Superflex. Could arguably be a top two pick. I would, could arguably be the number one pick. And I would not hate it. Would not hate it. Because Justin Fields, I think, is going to be that good. So, um, you know, in single quarterback super single quarterback leagues, where are we looking at Justin Fields again? That rushing ability, um, you know, that's gonna put him in that late first round, probably the second round. I mean, people are gonna be thinking about it, right? With Justin Fields, and they've they've obviously seen what happened, what has happened with mobile quarterbacks, uh, you know, like Lamar Jackson, uh, to you know. Uh, we, we saw what RG3 did as a rookie, what Cam Newton was able to do. We've seen what Dak Prescott has been able to do. Uh, so Justin Fields, the precedent has been set. I think fantasy managers are warming up to that. Uh, and so I think I'd expect Justin Fields to be a hot commodity uh, in drafts. Let's move forward. Uh, the final quarterback taken in round one, Mac Jones. And I'm not mad about this. I said it back in February. Mac Jones to New England at 15. That just kind of made sense. Um, Mac Jones to Washington would have also made sense. But just Mac Jones going in the teens made sense. And so going at 15, I think that's a, a really good landing spot. It's probably the best landing spot for him. Going to Be- uh, Bill Belichick. Going with um, you know Josh McDaniels. They have experience with pocket passers, obviously Tom Brady. Uh, but even if you look at the, the quarterbacks outside of Cam Newton that they've had on their roster, they've all been pocket guys. And if you look at Mac Jones, he's one of the better pocket passers that we've seen coming out of college. 
you know, again, I, I refer to him as a point guard, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that that's a great skill to have for a quarterback to be able to distribute the football accurately. Uh, when you look at what Matt, uh, Matt Ryan has done, Kirk Cousins has done, um, Drew Brees, you know, I, I, and I compare Mac Jones, maybe not the Drew Brees level, but I compare him to a Matt Ryan or Kirk Cousins uh, in terms of what he could be as a player. Um, and, and again, that's a good football player, right? And so uh, Mac Jones, he's, you know, if he starts as a rookie, uh, I, I don't think that he does. I think Cam Newton gets some time. Um, just, I, I don't, I, I don't know. This is going to be a tough one to read, right? Like, I really don't know. I mean, the Patriots, they, they didn't trade up to get Mac Jones. They just took him organically at 15. Uh, they also filled a bunch of needs through free agency. So this is a team that's kind of ready to win now. Um, their offensive line is really good, so there's no concern there for Mac Jones. Uh, they've got tight ends. So this could be a very multiple offense, uh, which actually could be very good for Mac Jones. I just think that... If you're, I think that if you're a team like New England, you can afford to sit Mac Jones and play him when you feel that he's ready. And that's just really my opinion there. So I've got Mac Jones playing nine games. That gives Cam Newton about a little less than half the season here at, at eight games. And so with that, Mac Jones ends up being my QB 34 in total points. I'm not expecting much in year one from Mac Jones. Um, just mainly because we're, we're not expected to get much from the, in the rushing department. And so I'm not going to bet on a rookie pocket passer to kind of come in and, and, and lead, you know, you know, lead fantasy teams, especially when there's no real pass catching weapon that we are excited about. And so, um, you know, if, if anything, Mac Jones is good for Damian Harris. That's one thing to note, right? That run game can finally breathe because Cam's not suffocating it, uh, not stealing all the rushing touchdowns. Uh, so there, that's a possibility. Or maybe they just make Cam Newton the goal line quarterback because the, it's the Patriots, and why wouldn't they, right? Imagine Cam Newton rushing for 15 touchdowns as a backup quarterback and goal line weapon. Oh, man, DFS, that would just make my brain hurt. But anyway, nothing changed for Mac Jones here. He is my QB5, and like I said at the back in February, or might have even been a little bit after that, I won't have many shares of Mac Jones. Not because I don't think he's a good player, not because uh, I think he's going to be a bust, but because I just value mobility in my quarterbacks, and so Mac Jones probably not going to be on many of my rosters. But should be a first-round pick, uh, maybe an early second-round pick in super flex leagues. Uh, again, depending on what your needs are at the quarterback position. But, um, yeah, you know, Mac Jones, he's a Patriot. It kind of just, I don't know, that kind of just made sense. But I think all five of these quarterbacks are very good prospects in their and, and they, they all have something about them that make them particularly special. Um, and so I think all five of them, I tweeted this out the other day, all five of them will make it to second contracts. That's my prediction uh, because I do think that's how good this quarterback class was. Um, again, four of the five 80th 
85th percentile or above in my quarterback model. Mac Jones even comes in 74th percentile, uh, right under Daniel Jones, right above guys like Jalen Hurts and Tua Tagovailoa. So Mac Jones has decent uh, decent odds of um, succeeding, in my opinion, and especially consider the landing spot. I think that's a good a good spot for him to land as well. So. Uh, yeah, that's that's really it as far as first round quarterbacks go. Um, I'm not really gonna. I mean, we'll, we'll, we could talk about Kyle Trask and Kellamon and all those guys. I'm not really super excited about them as maybe some people are. Um, Kyle Trask in, in Tampa Bay as a developmental quarterback, uh, I think that's a good landing spot for him. Um, I just have my reservations about the player, but the the things I actually don't like about Kyle Trask are things that can be masked almost, not masked, but they can be compensated for by coaching and talent. And so Kyle Trask, if Kyle Trask was drafted to, let's say, Washington, and was asked to be the guy, I would probably be but be a little less excited about that, right? Um, you know, but he, or if he was drafted to Detroit, I'd probably be a little less excited about that as well. But the fact that he gets drafted to somewhere like Tampa Bay, where there's going to be zero expectation for Kyle Trask to do anything in year one. There's going to be zero expectation. That's why if you actually look... This thread that I, I do for two I did for two rounds I didn't even bother doing Kyle Trask he was a 64th pick in the second round and I wasn't even gonna bother because there's zero expectation for Kyle Trask to play football Tom Brady has played every single game uh, that he that he could uh, going back to his well there was Deflategate and then the torn ACL uh, when he missed that season but basically the dude's been an Iron Man and so you know I. I think that it's 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 great for for Kyle Trask development. Uh, Bruce Arians is high on him. Uh, compared him to Brad Johnson. Um, I compared Kyle Trask to some combination of Jared Goff meets Tim Tebow. Um, yeah, not very not a ringing endorsement of Kyle Trask. Uh, probably not the. In the comparison that you'd want to be comp to, or the, the you know the combination of players you'd want to be comp to, but what I meant by that was you know I, I I talked about the Tim Tebow part just because it was the it was more about like the way he's built and um, the fact that he went to the University of Florida. It's really just it, but uh, the Jared Goff part comes in because it's it's a pocket passer. He's not running. He's he's gonna sit there in the pocket. Uh, no, there's no expectation for him to run or to be an athlete on the move. Any of that, um, and he can get things done from the pocket. But when things break down, this dude is no more. There's nothing left. That's it. Abandon ship. Like call a new play. Let's let's just put the, let's just spot the ball where where we have it right now, and let's just get to the next down because nothing's gonna, nothing good is going to happen if Kyle Trask is ad is asked to ad lib, and so, but again you look at the offense that he ends up with Bruce Arians, uh, there's 
they're built. They have a really good offensive line there in Tampa. At least that's what they've been building. Uh, they have good receivers as well. So if Kyle Trask does ever have to play a game, you know, probability that he would be okay is is on his side. And let's just say that. Um, but not a huge fan of Kyle Trask. Uh, that's just me personally. If you guys want to take a shot on Kyle Trask, by all means, be my guest. Um, but that's just not it's just not for me. Um, and then Kellen Mond ends up in Minnesota. So I, I, I did have Minnesota taking a quarterback. I had them taking Mac Jones, trading up for Mac Jones in the first round of, of my of my mock draft. Minnesota apparently did consider, would have considered a quarterback if the right guy was there at 14. Um, but they get Kellen Mond in round three uh, of the NFL draft to be their starting, not starting quarterback, their uh, backup quarterback. And so when you look at Kellen Mond, I think obviously there's a lot of tools there. He's very athletic. Um, he's He's got a live arm. It's just there's a lot of things to move to from um, technique to decision-making, uh, you know, to obviously – Playing the quarterback position in the NFL, I think there's things for Kellen Mond to learn. But having him as your backup behind Kirk Cousins, and I think this is actually really good for the for the Vikings. I mean, Kirk Cousins stayed relatively healthy throughout his career. But if you know, um, I forgot who said this. I think it might have been Evan Silva said this a while ago, or or it could have been Connor Rogers. But basically, you should want your backup quarterback to be as high variance as possible. Get one of these athletic guys to come in. Uh, reminds me of when the Steelers had Dennis Dixon, right? I remember I used to love Dennis Dixon coming out of Oregon. But uh, the Steelers, they would always have, or even if it was uh, Dennis Dixon, they had Mike Vick, or there was also, uh, you know, they had Charlie Batch for, for almost forever. But, um, you know, Byron Leftwich, they always had, like, a more mobile quarterback than than Ben was, um, and it always just was interesting because when Ben comes off the field or Ben can't play, and then this other, you know, m- more athletic quarterback, uh, more apt to run, more apt to make plays, uh, the Steelers were still able to win these kind of games because, you know, they've got this quarterback that's coming in, the team wasn't prepared for them, it's a completely different style, uh, you know, it's completely different pace when that guy gets on the edge versus when Big Ben gets on the edge, right? So it just completely messes with the defenses. And so having a guy like Kalamon to be your backup, I think that's just about as good as you would want. Uh, you know, best case scenario, if you were the Vikings to get a quarterback of that with that athleticism and those tools in the third round to be your, your developmental backup guy behind Kirk Cousins and potentially maybe even develop into a starter. So uh I definitely think that the future could be bright for Kellamond. Again, he has all the tools, so uh, that's definitely you know on his side. Uh, and then we saw Davis Mills go in the third round as well. Uh, quarterback from Stanford gets drafted to the Houston Texans. Obviously, they've got a bunch of stuff going on with the Deshaun Watson situation, amongst uh, you know some talent, you know some da- talent disparities across the roster. Uh, so, you know, Houston Texans aren't going to be a very good football team in 2021. Uh, and they might, they, you know, you'd rather be a, a bad football team with a 
potential quarterback prospect on your team versus just a bad football team and potentially no answer at quarterback. Um, either way, though, Davis Mills, not expecting a ton from him. I think that in an ideal world, a guy like Davis Mills would succeed in a situation like New Orleans where maybe he doesn't have to play. Maybe the infrastructure is good. Uh, maybe things around him are stable. Like This does not seem like a good situation for a guy like Davis Mills at all. This, this Houston Texans roster, bereft of talent, uh, I just don't see it for Davis Mills. Could potentially be a bad spot for him. And I don't want to say that it could really, really have an impact on his career, but it, this could really impact how his career turns out, ending up in a place like Houston. But anyways, I digress. Uh, yeah, I'm, I guess if I had to rank those guys, I would put Kalamon six just because um, when you look at the – when you look at – well, basically we're projecting backup quarterbacks, right? So – First one would be like, okay, well, who does who has a shot to play right away? And well, Tom Brady's gonna play till he's fifty. I'm just basically convinced. So Kyle Trask, he could probably get to start when he's thirty if he ends up staying in Tampa. Um, but Kellen Mond, in all seriousness, I think when you look at Kirk Cousins, uh, you look at even just the stuff that Kirk Cousins deals with. I mean, I don't think Kirk Cousins is a bad quarterback, but he doesn't get that same um, luxury nationwide across national media and he gets beat up for it and he does have an expensive contract and so uh if this kelamon makes it a little bit easier for the minnesota vikings to move on from a kirk cousins if they do like what they see uh and so kelamon he's my qb6 um uh this guy kyle trask would be my qb7 and then uh, Davis Mills would probably be my QB eight, but at that point, right, like Kellamon would probably be the only one of these guys that I would draft. The only one. Okay, moving forward. So, um, let's go to the running back position now, because we'll talk about wide receiver. Things got a little crazy. Things are still getting crazy as we go, but why? But running back's been pretty straightforward. Um, Najee Harris. First running back off the board, first round pick, day one, 24th overall to the Pittsburgh Steelers. That was probably one of the easier landing spots to to to, to identify for me. I, I just didn't think Pittsburgh would, would do it, um, but I guess they did, and shame on me for not getting that right. But anyway, Najee Harris to Pittsburgh, I think this is the probably, of all the rookies, ugh. This is probably the this is probably the best one, right? This is probably the best landing spot. He's probably going to have the 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 best the the m- most impact from day one, right? Um, and yes, I know Jamar Chase ended up with the Bengals and all that stuff, but let's hear me out. Hear me out. Najee Harris in Pittsburgh uh, just before the draft, I was comparing Najee Harris to Le'Veon Bell, um, and it, again. This is it's it's a very interesting comp when you really think about it, right? Both these guys six one, so taller than your average running back, but two hundred and thirty pounds. But if you look at them and how they're built, they're very slender. They've got a slender frame, um, so they're not like very hulking like 
like you would expect other 230-pound backs to be, right? Like look at a David Montgomery or even like a James Conner or um, or Derrick Henry, right? Like those guys are very big. And when you look at them, you see how big they are. But when you look at Le'Veon Bell, you look at Najee Harris, you probably think that they're thin, right? But then you realize they're 6'1", and then when they weigh in, they're like 230 pounds. Uh, and then you look at how they move both very smooth, both very fluid. I think Le'Veon Bell, has, he moves a little bit differently uh, when you talk about the, you know, the patience as a runner and the, and the way he bounces when he's running. But when you look at these guys in the open field, when you look at these guys running routes as receivers, uh, very similar players, in my opinion. Very, very, very similar. And so Najee Harris kind of slides in to Pittsburgh to be this uh, this workhorse back. And if you look at Pittsburgh's history especially under Mike Tomlin they've always had this workhorse guy that's going to get the the bulk of the touches 300 400 touches and so you look at Najee Harris going in this situation there's no James Conner all the all we have there is Benny Snell Anthony McFarlane Jalen Samuel right like Najee Harris is walking into a really really good situation I initially could have projected almost projected Najee Harris for like top six or seven running back in fantasy and full PPR leagues because it's definitely plausible that he walks in day one and gets all 300 touches, but I don't want to project a rookie for that, so I've got him for about 250, uh, 250 carries, I believe it is. I can get the exact number, but I've got him for about 250 carries. Uh, I've got him for... 265 carries i've got him for 42 receptions in year one so all that culminates in an rb 13 ppr finish for mr Najee harris and obviously people are going to talk about you're going to hear it it's already being floated around there oh but who's going to block the offensive line it's terrible yada 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 all this stuff right but jalen samuel james connor benny snell all were somewhat productive behind this offensive line. Now, Pittsburgh didn't run the ball. Pittsburgh wasn't great at running the football, but I think that's more by that was more by choice than actual um, talent, right, or ability to actually do it, right? I think if you don't run the ball, it's going to be very hard for you to be good at running the ball, right? You've got to run the ball a little bit to at least, you know, in training camp and, and um and in, in the start of the season for like these, the running backs or the offensive line to really feel out these blocks and feel the positioning and attacking different fronts. And so if you don't do it, you're not going to be good at it, right? It's like, oh, I don't we don't throw the football, well, I guess unless you're Russell Wilson, but you don't throw the football, then all of a sudden you're going to go into a game and throw it 60 times a game and think you're going to suddenly be good at throwing the football. Like, no, if you don't do that, that's not what you're going to be. But I think having Najee Harris... Uh, in the backfield, I think because I think what happens, right? You look at the Steelers, especially they like having that guy on the field that they don't have to take off, right? And you look at a guy like James Conner, right? James Conner worked his way into being that guy where he was able to be that three down guy. But Benny Snell, Jalen Samuels, they're not like that, right? So when you are forced as the Pittsburgh Steelers to go to a committee, right? Well, Everybody and their mother knows Jalen Samuel can't run the ball, and everybody knows that Benny Snell can't catch the ball. So 
when Benny Snell's on there, well, everyone's like, oh, we're probably running the ball. And you know he can't help you in the pass game. And when Jalen Samuels is on is out there, we're like, oh, well, probably throwing the ball because and if you run it to him, this dude's going to average like three yards a carry. So Najee Harris allows them to become multidimensional, allows that versatility to really be within that offense where Big Ben can get to the line of scrimmage, change the play, dump off a pass to Najee Harris and you know watch him watch him go and get 10 watch him get 15 on a, on a, on a check down right and i think that if that happens Najee Harris being in this backfield I means already happened it's here i think there's a ceiling here for Najee Harris right that i'm not even accounting for and so yeah Najee Harris is going to be a first round pick in in fantasy drafts he has to be um i think if you're in a single quarterback league he is the 101 in dynasty leagues uh if in rookie drafts if you are in a super flex league and you don't need a quarterback Najee Harris is potentially the 101 there as well because you just look at the production that he's gonna get from day one this guy has a has a four-year contract fifth year option so he could potentially be the starter the starting running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers for the next four to five years, that's 300 touches at least a year. This guy is going to be a stud. So, you know, got the draft capital that we were looking for. Uh, the landing spot is about as good as it gets here with Najee Harris. I'm excited about it. You should be too. Uh, let, yeah, Najee Harris, man. Let's rock and roll. So, moving on to the next running back that was taken. It was the very next pick. Travis Etienne, the very next pick, going to Jacksonville, and I felt really bad because I felt like I, I I jinxed James Robinson on a live stream I was doing with the good old boys. You know, we were talking about James Robinson, and I said, "Hey, you know, I'm gonna slow my roll here a little bit with James Robinson." Like, I mean, like I love the player, I think he's very good, but we gotta remember new coaching staff, new decision makers. They could like another player very much more for their team than than James Robinson and they did they found that player and that player is, is Travis Etienne uh, Jacksonville Jaguars they come here and uh you know they 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 with the 25th pick in the NFL draft they they select Travis Etienne the running back from Clemson uh, pairing the quarterback from Clemson Trevor Lawrence with his running back in in Travis Etienne and so kind of trying to recreate some of this Clemson magic, I guess. But uh, all jokes aside, you look at ETN. I mean, I don't I don't hate the pick and I don't hate the landing spot. I think ETN ETN is one of my favorite players uh, going back to college. Uh, you know, the landing spot here uh, ending up in, an, in a situation with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, ending up in a situation with, uh, you know, you look at the running backs that Urban Meyer has produced as well. I mean, we could talk about the quarterbacks, the you know, the, the gadget wide receivers that he's played with. But we'll look at the running backs that he's produced as well. You mean, you look at Zeke Elliott. Um, you know, he's he was obviously a big time back. Uh, and then amongst other running backs at the University of Florida who escaped my mind right now. But uh, I just always know that Urban Meyer has had a run game going back to his college days. And so Travis Etienne kind of fits uh, fits well in this system as you know as a as a running back that's versatile that can run with in or outside of the tackles, but also be a threat out of the backfield lineup as a wide receiver and run routes. Uh, so 
he is going to cannibalize um, James Robinson, but I think when you look at ETN, he will see the more valuable touches, right? I mean, when you talk about the, the targets, right? Those, those are what we really want, in, especially in PPR leagues, uh, are those are those receptions, and so he'll get that. Um, you know, those touchdowns, maybe he gets them, maybe they're split. Um, you know, we'll have to see, but I've got Travis ETN as my RB26 right now. Um, and again, the fit is nice. It's just the question is if you're sitting there at the top of your rookie draft, you're going to be thinking about James Robinson when you're trying to select Travis Etienne. It's going to be inevitable. Um, but we have to take the talent, right? Talent is greater than landing spot nine times out of ten. Right, so Travis Etienne, first round draft capital from a new team and organization. Don't I don't give a damn what Urban Meyer said about Travis Etienne being a third down back while Carlos Hyde and James Robinson are the one-two punch. I don't give a damn about that. That is coach speak in my opinion. Travis Etienne, still a dog, right? So we're gonna take him. It's gonna be in. It's gonna be almost impossible not to worry about James Robinson. Like I said, and you're gonna tilt if you have Travis Etienne. You're gonna tilt. You see James Robinson, him and James Robinson sharing touches. But hey, the cream always rises to the top. Etienne is a very, 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 very good prospect, and getting that first round draft capital all but locks him in for opportunities. So let's go in on Travis Etienne. Right? Now, how do where do you where do you take him at? Right? I mean, I'm going to have Najee Harris ahead of Etienne. A lot of it's gonna have to do with that workload that that um Najee Harris is gonna see in, in year one especially um, but ETN is definitely in play for me as well uh, as my RB2. Uh, if we're talking super flex, probably looking at ETN and maybe the fourth, fifth, sixth pick. Um, but obviously it's going to be team dependent. I tend to uh, look at ETN versus looking at maybe one of these receivers like a Jamar Chase. I might go Jamar Chase, but that's just me. Right. It d- might depend on your team needs. If you've got if you're sitting there, you've got Justin Jefferson Brandon Ayuk, you know, AJ Brown, like DJ Moore, DK Metcalf, whatever, right? <clears throat> you probably don't need Jamar Chase. Maybe you want him. Maybe you're collecting receivers with the receiving core like that. But maybe you want to go Travis Etienne, right? Because you need to shore up your running backs. Because maybe all you have is like Miles Sanders and Leonard Fournette. That's actually legitimately a situation that I have. So, um, you know, maybe you are in a position where you, you you don't need a wide receiver. You may you may need a running back, and so ETN probably be the guy for me there. But again, all team dependent. Um, moving on to the next running back, Javante Williams comes off the board as the RB three. That's where he's going to land in my running back rankings. Going to Denver, situation is not ideal. Uh, Melvin Gordon is there, but uh, Javante Williams traded was traded up for, uh, you know, the team traded all the way up, 
um, the Denver Broncos did to select Javante Williams with the 35th pick in the NFL draft. Uh, so definitely uh, not a huge fan of the of the of the landing spot. Uh, obviously, this offense still led by Drew Locke, not ideal. But um, you know, Melvin Gordon has been a lead back, and so that's also a little bit concerning. Um, you know, I do have Javante Williams leading the team in carries uh, and touchdowns. So between that, he's he lands as my RB twenty nine in in twenty twenty one. So again, this landing spot is not great. I do agree that Javante Williams. While he is talented, you know, I think a lot of it, I don't want to say overblown. Um, I just think that he's not as maybe talented or not as good of a prospect, right? Let's go with that. He's not as good of a prospect as I think people are making him out to be. Um, And so ending up in the second round, um, while he is going to be at opportunities, he is productive. He's not somebody that I feel like I have to have on my fantasy team. And that's kind of where I'm at with Javante Williams, where is if I get Javante Williams, that's fine. You know, if I need a running back and he and he the value the value matches up, that is fine. But I'm not reaching for Javante Williams. Now my RB four got drafted in the third round, Trey Sermon running back of the Ohio State University. And Trey Sermon is not somebody I had even in my top five or top six prior to draft day. But like I said to you guys before we hit the NFL draft, draft capital will severely will impact my rankings here. It will not will not let them shift my rankings entirely, not like I did last year with Jonathan Taylor and, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire, where Clyde went from RB5 to RB1 uh, over Jonathan Taylor. But what I do, what I will do is I will consider it, right? Obviously, especially when it's, you know, it's not first-round draft capital here that we're talking about. It's third-round draft capital. But Trey Sermon was on that borderline, and I, and I did want to see where he would end up in terms of draft capital and landing spot. That was very important for me. I had him outside my RB6 range, RB6 or 7, but he will slide in here as my RB4. Um, His profile, college profile, not very great, but you have to look at this with context, right? He was a guy that... um, Went to JUCO. He had transferred. He went to. He transferred. He'd gone to JUCO, uh, so he bounced around a little bit. Ends up at Ohio State. Was never really a full time guy for an extended period of time, um, but going to, to San Francisco will end up in a spot where this isn't ideal from a redraft perspective. Like year one, I'm not excited about Trey Sermon because. We have obviously seen what's happened in in San Fran's backfield over over the the last couple seasons in terms of the unpredictability of it, uh, of finding the guy that's going to be there, that's going to be that weekly back. But Trey Sermon's a guy who's talented. He's big. He's a physical running back. And if I've gotten burned by this before with Kyle Shanahan because I remember Joe Williams, but Trey Sermon 
ending up in this Kyle Shanahan uh, run scheme. I remember they drafted Jalen Hurd a couple years ago, and we couldn't, you know, we tried to set, figure out, hey, is he is he a quarterback? Is he, you know, or Tracer or Jalen Hurd? Is he a tight end or is he a running a running back? What is he going to be? Uh, they drafted him as a wide receiver, um, but Trey Sermon is a running back, and he's you know he's going to be six, he's like six one, he's two uh, two hundred and twenty two hundred thirty pounds, whatever it is. Um, but the guy is going to be a baller uh, in this could potentially be a baller, and I don't want to say is going to be a baller, but could potentially be a baller in this in this Niners run scheme. So he's here as my RB four. Um, it, it's going to be in a a a tier. You know, this is a, he's going to be at the top of the tier, right? Let's just put it that way. He's going to be at the top of the tier, and I'm going to kind of cheat here a little bit because I'm I know what's happening right now, right? Because you know, as we listen to this, you will have known that the NFL draft will have concluded. But I'm kind of cheating right now because it's the fourth round started. I was trying to get this out before noon, but hey, man, things happen for a reason. And so Michael Carter, who was my RB four, will now land as my RB five. Here goes off the second pick in the fourth round to my New York Jets. Gotta love that, uh, Michael Carter. Here, you know, I comp this guy to an Alvin Kamara type, not the not talent level, but in terms of the skill set, in terms of the type of players that they are, uh, their ability to move through space, you know, their ability as pass catchers out of the backfield. Uh, Michael Carter was one of my favorite backs to watch on film in this class, and he ends up on my favorite football team in the NFL, so I'm excited about that. Michael Carter, my RB5 here. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll know more about the running back position as they trickle in, but I think off just off the rip, not knowing landing spots, not knowing the draft capital that is spent on them. Jamar Jefferson as my as my RB six. Kenny Gainwell as the RB seven. Chuba Hubbard is uh, Chuba Hubbard is or Chuba Hubbard, sorry, as the RB uh, as the RB eight. Yeah, no, Jamar Jefferson is six. Kenny Gainwell seven. Chuba Hubbard eight. Uh, Kylan Hill nine. Jarrett Patterson ten. And we'll you know we'll see what happens with the rest of the draft, but. Um, you know, we'll assess it as it moves on, but let's get to the more complicated position. And that's the wide receiver position. And I say complicated because got a a lot of stuff to sort out. Some draft capital got spent. Uh, we saw four wide receivers go in the first round. Um, so we, again, we got some draft capital being spent. We also have some guys land ending up in some, some landing spots that are good for them. Some that are you know, that make you curious, um, and somewhere we might be even potentially get a value. So let's go with the first wide receiver drafted off the board, and that was Jamar Chase. No surprise that he was the first receiver off the board. It was definitely expected. He ends up going to the uh, Cincinnati Bengals uh, with the fifth overall pick. So Joe Burrow getting reunited with his college teammate in Jamar Chase. And so that's definitely exciting there. Um, And then, you know, we're looking at year one, like what can we expect from him in year one? I mean, obviously, what do we think of the landing spot? You know, going with going back with his college quarterback, that's that's ideal, right? That's a plus. But ending up with uh, opposite T. Higgins, ending up with – you know, Tyler Boyd, two established receivers in their own right, you know, what does it potentially do 
for Jamar Chase. And so for me, I've got Jamar Chase uh, as my, let me get to it, uh, bear with me for half a second. Jamar Chase is my wide receiver 30 entering 2021. And again, very early projection here. Um, There's things that we, you know, a lot of things can happen between now and then. But you look at Jamar Chase, uh, the situation he ends up in, um, you know, this is a Cincinnati Bengals offense, which is going to throw the football, right? It's going to throw the football. They're going to run a lot of three and four wide receiver sets. And so Jamar Chase is going to have his opportunities to see the football. And so, you know, the way I think about it is I'm... I'm looking at Jamar Chase as the wide receiver one, right? I think he's the guy that we're going to want. I think T. Higgins is going to take on a lesser role in year two. And I know that T. Higgins was somebody that we were all excited about. But I think what's actually going to happen is, you know, we're going to see this thing fluctuate on a week-to-week basis where I think you're going to be okay having any one of these three guys on your team being Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd might be the safer guy in terms of the production that you would expect on a week-to-week basis. But I think that... Uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility that all three of these guys are productive here uh, on a week-to-week basis. And so, um, yeah, Jamar Chase, you know, having a decent year. And so I think that, you know, he would either be <coughs> the 101 or the 102 potentially in in single quarterback drafts uh, in Superflex. And, you know, obviously we're talking about the third to sixth pick in the draft. But Jamar Chase, he's going to be a stud from day one. He's going to be an alpha. And so uh, I'm excited about his prospects in year one and and what he could what he could mean for, uh, you know, Joe Burrow in the Cincinnati Bengals offense. So definitely excited about that. The second receiver off the board that would be Jalen Waddle uh back a while ago we had Kevin Coleman uh at Du Bois 22 on fantasy come over come on the show and Jalen Waddle was his wide receiver too and this was back in like February right um and with good reason man Jalen Waddle definitely explosive um you know he's got a ton of upside you know, for me, uh, you know, I'm actually Waddle was my wide receiver. He was outside my top five, so he was definitely like six or seven pre-draft. I have to get the exact number for you, but um, you know, post-draft he gets moved up for me. Yeah, he was he was seven uh, before uh, before the before we got testing numbers. I moved him up to six after adjusting rankings, but now he's he's my wide receiver three. Jalen Waddle is, and so, um, and that's a combination of looking at what his his draft grade looks like in my model, uh, looking at the landing spot here with Miami, um, and so when you look at the landing spot with the Miami Dolphins, I'm not excited about it entirely because I don't think Tua is a great fit for Jalen Waddle's skill set, but the two of them have familiarity having played together at the University of Alabama, so there's that, Uh, and then Jalen Waddle also is so explosive and so good with the ball in his hands that I think he's the type of player you try to get the ball to, so that's why he's going to land here as my wide receiver three, uh, even though he was the second one taken and got chosen so highly, but um, you know, I in terms of what we could expect for production in year one, 
Got him down as my wide receiver, 67. Now, again, wide receiver is just so deep. You're going to have a bunch of guys that are all over the place, right? Um, you know, that that are so close to each other in terms of their rankings and their potential range of outcomes. But Jalen Waddle, um, yeah, I mean, I've got him under 800 receiving yards in year one. we got to remember, this is a packed house he's going to. You've got Devontae Par- Parker. You've got Will Fuller. Granted, that's just a one-year deal. Um, but you've got Preston Williams there as well. I think Jakeem Grant's going to lose out on whatever potential touches he had, potentially even Lynn Bowden as well. So um, I think Jalen Waddle will be a playmaker for the Dolphins. Uh, so maybe he gets some more touches uh, than we're anticipating, um, if you're not just considering the receiving, but also the rushing as well. Um, but yeah, Jalen Waddle, I think... Again, receiver is a flavor type of position. Um, he's the kind of guy where, you know, everyone puts out the Tyreek Hill comp, and it's so tough to comp people to Tyreek Hill. But um, I just don't – it's harder for me to put a finger on how productive or how reliable Jalen Waddle will be week to week, right? And maybe that's a cop-out answer in a way, but I'm not a huge believer in Tua – um, I am a believer somewhat in Jalen Waddle. Um, so talent greater than landing landing spot. We said that before. Uh, but Jalen Waddle, how do I compare him to these other some of these other receivers, right? So that's where it is for me. Uh, so I don't I don't know if I'll have a lot of Jalen Waddle. I I really don't know uh, if it falls that way. It falls that way. I'm not going to avoid him. But uh, you know, it's just it's again it's 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 really going to be co- it's going to come down to uh, how comfortable are you with the situation that's there in Miami? Uh, you know, even if they do move on from Tua, right? Like I'm not even saying that that's a possibility right now, but you know, there's always going to be the, the you know Jalen Waddle will be around for even the next quarterback. So that's something to consider as well. You know, not to just shun Jalen Waddle because you might not like Tua or you might not love the landing spot. Um, but again, it's like, do you think he's going to be Tyreek Hill or is he going to be like a Tavon Austin? Right. So yeah, Jalen Waddle, I'm excited about what he's going to be in the NFL. I'm not excited that he's in the AFC East per se, but, um, yeah, all in all long winded way of saying he's my wide receiver three moving on to the next wide receiver that was taken. That would be, uh, Jalen Waddle's teammate from Alabama. Devontae Smith. <laughs> Sorry for the uh, delay there, but, uh, you know, watching some other stuff on my screen. But Devontae Smith, anyway, the wide receiver three taken in this class. He is my wide receiver four in this class. He ends up going to Philadelphia as a top 10 pick. Um, and prospects for Devontae Smith in year one look pretty good. Um, you know, just going to throw that out there. Uh, you know, obviously, Philly didn't address quarterbacks. So that means they're moving forward with Jalen Hurts as the guy, unless it's going to be Joe Flacco, but I doubt that. Um, and Devontae Smith doesn't have a ton of competition for targets when you look at it. Um, he's got, you know, obviously last year's first round pick in Jalen Rager there, but, you know, Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz is still on the roster, but there's a possibility that he's moved on from as well. So, uh, you know, via trade potentially. So, 
Devontae Smith might not have a ton of competition here for targets in year one. And so I've got Devontae Smith projected as my wide receiver 42 for the 2021 NFL draft. Um, got him over 900 yards, five receiving touchdowns. Now, again, this is contingent on what happens with Zach Ertz. I'm projecting Zach Ertz to not be on the roster. But uh, Devontae Smith, definitely a guy to... You know, he's been all over the place, you know, but he's settled here really in this top four range for me personally. Um, you know, I have him, I had him at wide receiver two to start the process. Now he's sitting here as my wide receiver four. Um, and so I like Devontae Smith. I love the player. I think he has all the intangibles that you want in a wide receiver. Uh, he's got that dog alpha mentality. Um you know, he, he's a willing blocker. He's he's not, you know, necessarily a capable one, but he shows his toughness. Uh, he's a guy that, had, you know, lower shoulder, try to run somebody over, talk some trash. Uh, he's got great hands. He's a great route runner. He's got great releases. Like, I, like I really like Devontae Smith. It just, um, you know, the probability of him succeeding. It's on the lower side, right? But if you're going to bet on a player, bet on one who's talented, and that's Devontae Smith, right? Super talented, super skilled in what he does. And so I'm a, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rock with the Slim Reaper, right? So wide receiver four here for me um, post-draft. Uh, and, again, I like the landing spot. And, you know, if Jalen Hurts gets better as a quarterback or the Eagles potentially get a better one, you know, then Devontae Smith, the arrow is pointing up, right? So I, I like Devontae Smith, um, you know, still trying to figure out exactly where my tiers are going to be. I'll, I'll work through that. Uh, but, you know, excited for what Devontae Smith's going to be in the NFL. Moving on to my, the next drafted wide receiver, not my, but the next drafted wide receiver, Kadarius Tony was the very next drafted wide receiver. And this guy, I laughed out loud. LOL'd. Really did. Not because... It was a combination of things. It was mainly because the Giants picked Kadarius Tony at 20. Super hilarious. Um, but anyway, Kadarius Tony gets the first round draft capital. Dude's an athlete. Six foot, 193 pounds. Adjusted 40, 446. 40 inch vertical jump. Uh, only had one real year of college production. The one thing I do know, I do want to note though, is that this is a guy that transitioned from quarterback, got to the University of Florida as a quarterback. So the college production, there's probably some, you know, there's some context to that. Um, but I just wasn't in love with Kadarius Tony as a prospect. He ends up going first round, which is what we kind of thought. So that doesn't, you know, the first round draft capital here doesn't really change my mind because we were kind of expecting him to go in the first round. Um, you know, but I'm not going to kill him, you know, for I'm not going to kill Tony on my rankings. See, I've got him at wide receiver eight. So, you know, you could do worse um, for Kadarius Tony, but I think wide receiver eight is reasonable considering where I have some of these other guys and, and what I like about those guys. Um, but yeah, wide receiver eight, that's not terrible for Kadarius Tony. Year one, I've got him projected uh, 471 receiving yards, uh, wide receiver 73. Again, 
Kadarius Tony is a gadget player. That's what I'm projecting him as. That's what I'm projecting him. That's how I'm projecting him to kind of fit into this to this offense here with the New York Giants. They already have Kenny Galladay. They already have Sterling Shepard. They already have uh, Darius Slayton. And so Kadarius Tony, I did say they did need somebody that was a little bit different. Waddle was was kind of where I was, you know, what I was thinking in terms of. A player that they would look to add, but Kadarius Tony kind of brings some of those things. Maybe not the dynamic speed, <laughs> but he brings some of that stuff, some of that playmaking ability, uh, the run after catch, uh, the return ability. So I think Kadarius Tony, Kadarius Tony, too rich for Kadarius Tony at twenty, too rich for my blood. But I definitely think that there is a. I think he, there's a world where he's a better he's he's better for the Giants football team than he is for our fantasy teams. Boom. Moving on to the next drafted wide receiver and Rashad Bateman. This is a guy that I have been just steadily climbing with, right? I started out my process, he was my wide receiver 4, then I moved into my wide, my wide receiver 3. And that now he ends up as my wide receiver too. Uh, and that's just that's because again we see first round draft capital here that he grades out very highly in the model. Uh, the second wide receiver in the model behind Jamar Chase. And so the landing spot on paper, right? People will look at you and tell you that this is not a good landing spot for him going to the Baltimore Ravens. And while it's not ideal, right, we would want Rashad Bateman to go to, you know, let's say Kansas City, right? That would be more ideal. Um, but obviously that didn't happen. He ends up in, in Baltimore. And in Baltimore, the volume of pass attempts, right, because 20%, a 20% target share in Baltimore is not the same as a 20% target share in Kansas City. Right, the pie is larger in Kansas City. Therefore, the target distribution is the target. Twenty percent of targets is larger in Kansas City than it is in in Baltimore. And so, Rashad Bateman could see twenty percent of the targets in Baltimore. It's just not going to be a whole lot of volume, right? So it kind of caps his upside a little bit. JJ Zacharyson, late round quarterback, he's he talked about it a little bit as well. It kind of caps his upside here, being. In Baltimore, but that doesn't mean that Rashad Bateman is not going to be a good fantasy asset, right? We've never seen Lamar Jackson with a with a wide receiver or a weapon like Rashad Bateman, right? And again, y'all know me, love Lamar. I, I definitely believe he's one of the the he has the ability to be a, a a great passer in this league. He just hasn't been asked to do that, um, and I think his skill set definitely. Um, lends itself to somebody that can support a receiver of Rashad Bateman's caliber. We just haven't seen it yet. So you could potentially get a discount here on Rashad Bateman because people are afraid of his abilities to succeed in his ability to potentially succeed in an offense like the Baltimore Ravens. But think outside the box. Think about has Lamar Jackson ever had a receiver like this and Think about Rashad Bateman, the type of receiver that he is, and think about, try to project Rashad Bateman in the Baltimore Ravens offense, right? If anything, this hurts Hollywood Brown, big time in my opinion. Um, I just don't think that, 
I don't think Hollywood is going to see those targets. You look at Hollywood, you look at Rashad Bateman. Rashad Bateman is the alpha here. He is the alpha. Marquise Hollywood Brown is going to be the number two receiver. Probably the number three, really, when you think about it. And those targets, right? The type of targets he's going to get. He'll be productive on a week-to-week basis because on a week-to-week, not a week-to-week basis. He'll be productive. He'll have productive weeks because of his play style because, you you know, he'll get these big plays. He might have a two-touchdown, you know, like a three-catch, 100-yard, two-touchdown day for Hollywood Brown. It's definitely within the realm of possibility. But Rashad Bateman, he's going to be the dog. He's going to be the guy that's getting potentially uh, six to seven targets a game, right? Um, So I like Rashad Bateman. I'm definitely not afraid of the landing spot here. And uh, I will do what I can to have a decent amount of shoddy B on my teams. Moving on. Oh, where do I have him? I've got year one. I've got Rashad Bateman as wide receiver 63. So, again, not a great year one. Um, but I think that as we as he gets, you know, as we progress, as he gets, you know, more accustomed to the offense. And, uh, you know, there's, there's Sammy Watkins is still there. So there's some targets that he has to earn and, and fight for. But at this moment, wide receiver 63, he is. The next wide receiver drafted in this NFL draft is Elijah Moore to my New York Jets. Not the Moore I quite wanted going to my New York Jets, but I will take it. Elijah Moore, definitely um, a talented receiver. I thought he would go in the first round. Um, If you looked at the betting odds, you looked at mock drafts, Elijah Moore was a first-round pick, uh, but he ends up going 34 to the New York Jets. Um who apparently would have taken him at 23. So uh, that's good get for my Jets there. Anyway, this is not a Jets podcast, but if you do want a Jets podcast, make sure you check out the Now We Have Liftoff New York Jets podcast hosted by yours truly and my boy Frank Jam- Frank Jim Piccolo. Yes, that's a self-plug, but I'm a professional, so I did it professionally. Anyway, Elijah Moore ending up with the New York Jets. What type of player are they getting? For me personally, this guy reminds me of Tyler Lockett. I said it back in February talking to Kevin when when we talked about Elijah Moore. Uh, This guy is explosive. Uh, You know, he's he's 5'9", 180 pounds, runs a 4'4", adjusted 40-yard dash, 36-inch vertical jump. He can line up in the slot. He can line up out wide. He can make plays after the catch. He can win vertically down the field, especially from the slot. That's the part of his game that really reminded me of Tyler Lockett, right? You've got a receiver that can play outside, but then move into the slot. And then when he moves in the slot, we're always so worried about receivers from the slot, you know, running underneath routes, running crossers, uh, you know, running slants, you know, running, you know, the, the the jerk route, all these different underneath routes, right? But we ne- we rarely think about these slot receivers as deep down the field threats. And that's what Elijah Moore is, right? He's a guy that can line up in the slot and kill you vertically down the seam. And so Tyler Lockett, that's the part of his game that re- he reminds me of. Um, and so, you know, I look at Elijah Moore, his fit with the New York Jets, ending up with a quarterback with Zach Wilson, who if you look at Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson has a very good ability to throw deep down the field. So I think the Jets are trying to make plays here on the outside. They're trying to make plays down the field. And so, look, I'm excited about this here for for not just my Jets, but also for Elijah Moore as a prospect. Elijah Moore, who 
uh, prior to this was my wide receiver seven. Slides in, settles in as my wide receiver six. But again, we're in a tier here. Um, so he, you know, what we could expect in year one. In year one, I would expect Elijah Moore to, I've got him down as my wide receiver 74. So, um, you know, he's he's going to have some, some hiccups there. You know, in year one, playing with the Jets, obviously rookie quarterback. There's going to be some bumps and bumps in the road there. But if you get Elijah Moore in the uh, second round of your rookie draft, I think that's great value there. Um, yeah, let's move on to the next wide receiver that was drafted, and the next wide receiver drafted after Elijah Moore that would be my guy Rondell Moore. Now Rondell Moore, obviously, he slipped because of one size concerns because he's five seven. Two injury concerns because he's dealt with some freak injuries, um, but he's not injury prone, right? There's a difference, right? And there's not a chronic injury that he's dealing with, and and that would be, you know, if somebody, if somebody hurts their wrist and then hurts their their, you know, has ankle on their, has surgery on their ankle, those two things aren't correlated. So why would I call somebody injury prone, right? Or you know, say they're an injury risk. If those two things aren't necessarily correlated, right? Now, if you want to talk about something that could potentially be chronic, like if Rondell Moore had concussions and he had a you know history of concussions, that would be something that we would be worried about, right? If he had, um, you know, if he had arthritis in his knee, that would be something that we'd be potentially worried about. But that's not what we're talking about here with Rondell Moore. So now that that's aside, got a 5'7", 181 pound player, right? He's short. He's not small. 5'7", 181 pounds, short, not small, 4'37", adjusted 40-yard dash, 42.5-inch vert, goes to the Arizona Cardinals with the 49th pick in the draft, uh, second round, uh, so this guy gets the, the draft capital that we like, uh, and again, the landing spot, man, Kyler Murray, he's going to end up with Cliff Kingsbury, who's going to try to find ways to use Rondell Moore all over the field, whether it's in the backfield, in the slot, as a receiver. I really like the landing spot here for Rondell Moore. Uh, and Rondell Moore does take a bit of a slide, man. He goes from my wide receiver three to my wide receiver two to finishing here as my wide receiver five in the post-draft process. And I don't think that that's a terrible spot for him going from the wide receiver two to wide receiver five. If anything, uh, we're getting great value here because I still don't know if people are going to rank him accordingly, maybe as high as I might rank him. So, you know, there's a possibility we're still getting a lot Rondo more, um, you know, especially in in the second round, uh, you know, middle to second round, even potentially. If you get Rondo more in the middle of the second round of your rookie draft, just turn that card in and go home. Because that's a, that's a great day right there for me, in my opinion. Uh, looking at the fit in year one, like we talked about, um, going to Arizona, I th- I'd expect him to be used in the air, like in the ground game as well, in the pass game. So wide receiver 51 in year one uh, in 2021 at, uh, in terms of total fantasy points. And so, again, I'm excited about Rondo Moore. I'm, I think the sky's the limit with him. And so... Yeah, let's get, let's get to work, Rondell. Um, the next wide receiver drafted, and these, you know, things start getting a little weird. It got a little weird last night. Um, but the next wide receiver drafted was Dwayne Eskridge uh, going to the Seattle Seahawks in the second round. I liked Eskridge. Honestly, I, I thought I called Eskridge. I was doing a mock draft to my guy, Sonny. 
of the uh, you know Big Knowledge Dynasty uh, Football Podcast, uh, and Dwayne Eskridge is a like he's like a discount Kadarius Tony to me, right? He's like a discounted Kadarius Tony, like similar players, similar profiles, similar skill sets. Dwayne Eskridge also had a position switch, uh, switched from uh, corner to wide receiver, uh, and so you know he's he's got some some uh he's got a little bit of a uh you know of, of a place in my heart for that like we like two-way players out here so uh and seattle likes two-way players too don't sleep on that you'll be surprised the seattle seahawks they like guys versatility uh they they took a tight end last year a defensive end that and they made him a tight end uh they've done this before they took richard sherman who was a converted uh a wide receiver turned corner so you know they've done this before, and they do it again here with Dwayne Eskridge. Uh, that he was drafted as a wide receiver. In terms of what he, I don't know, man. It's going to be tough in terms of his fit. I don't see him getting much playing time. Maybe they see him as a potential, uh, as a potential replacement for Tyler Lockett down the road. That's going to be, you know, that's going to be interesting to see. But uh, I'm not a huge fan of Dwayne Eskridge. Ends up here for me, being my wide receiver eleven. Uh, in post-draft wide receiver rankings. So tells you exactly kind of how I feel about that. Uh, and then Tutu Atwell was the next wide receiver taken by the L.A. Rams. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of this one. I mean, Tutu Atwell, 5'9", 155 pounds, adjusted 40, 4'7", 33-inch vert, wide receiver from Louisville. I don't know. We're giving so much crap to Devontae Smith. I mean, he granted he still goes top 10, but that doesn't even mean we draft Tutu Atwell at 57. Like, come on. Like, like players that were still on the board, like Diami Brown, like Anthony Schwartz, Nico Collins, Terrace freaking Marshall. Like, what are we doing? Anyway, Van Jefferson, this can't be good for you, bro. I don't know how to make sense of that because I thought you were doing okay last year. So, really don't know. But Tutu Atwell, he's like a Deshaun Jackson clone-ish. And Deshaun Jackson, guess where he plays? Oh, the Rams. Again, have no idea what's going to happen. You know, I just, like, I don't know what to make. I, I can't make sense of this pick. I'm sorry, guys. I've got, like, almost no analysis here. I, I know Tutu Atwell was getting some love. Uh, but this is again, if the if the comp is Deshaun Jackson, right? That's like best case scenario for Tutu Atwell is Deshaun Jackson. That's best case scenario, and I don't want to bet on that. And even at his best, Deshaun Jackson was an asset that we were we weren't necessarily appreciative of because of how he was scoring his fantasy points, right? Where he one week he one week he's great, the next week it's a zero, right? And Tutu Atwell is going to be a similar thing, and so I've got him as my wide receiver fourteen, like yeah, and it's probably even lower than that because there's guys that I haven't ranked yet because they haven't been drafted. So um, yeah, man, I'm not going to have any Tutu Atwell. It's going to be almost none. I'm sorry, I'll let somebody else do that. But let's move on to the next wide receiver. Oh, where I have him wide receiver ninety eight in year one. Again, there's just too many mouths to feed. Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, those are the those are the guys. They're the dogs, right? Uh, between the running backs, the tight ends, 
It's not a lot of work left. So Van Jefferson gets some. Deshaun Jackson gets some. So Tutu Atwell's getting scraps. Unless there's an injury or something. And even then, it's going to be difficult. But I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, Terrace Marshall goes in. Picked 59. Second round pick to the Carolina Panthers. To get my boy Sam Donald some help, man. Get him a wide receiver here. Terrace Marshall. Um, had him as my wide receiver five. I moved him down slightly to seven. Um, going to Carolina with some some mouths to feed. I mean, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. Uh, it's going to be interesting, though, because Terrace Marshall could end up in a situation, right, where we're, we could be talking about two years from now, and Terrace Marshall is the number one guy in, in Carolina, right? Uh, DJ Moore just got his fifth-year option picked up, so that means that he's got two years left. Robbie Anderson's really got one year left. Because uh, his year was like a two-year deal. And so, yeah, I, there's a world where Terrace Marshall could be that number one guy. Uh, I do like some of these, like the talent level between him and some of these other guys I have ranked above him. Not that, you know, the, 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 they're all within the same tier of talent. Uh, I like their landing spots just a little bit better. Uh, so that's why Terrace Marshall here is my wide receiver seven, but... You guys know how much I like Terrace Marshall. You guys know I think I think highly of him as a player, as a prospect, and so I'm definitely going to have some Terrace Marshall on my on my dynasty rosters for sure. Um, and that was the last player I, I, I that I had in this thread. Um, you know, I don't think I missed anyone. I uh, just want to touch on some guys that did get drafted in the third round. Um, Amari Rogers, one of them. Um, you know, ends up going to Green Bay. That is a fabulous landing spot. Obviously, there's a whole lot going on with the Aaron Rodgers situation, which we'll have to talk about. But uh, Amari Rodgers, man, I mean, what is like what goes on there? Um, you know, with Green Bay, we'll we'll only know. But Amari Rodgers ending up as potentially a Tyler, not a Randall Cobb replacement in the future. I think that this is. Huge, huge, huge for Aaron Rodgers. I think it's huge for Amari Rodgers. Um, I just don't want to react to it too much, depending on what happens. Um, next, we also had Nico Collins. He's also he was one of my favorite guys uh, in the draft process, but he ends up in a crappy spot in Houston. Uh, but again, talent, greater sign, landing spot. So. Gonna have some shares in Nico Collins. Gonna get him cheap though too, because again, the the Texans traded up to go get him. They traded some future capital to go get him and up in the third round. So I like that pick a lot there. Um, just Nico Collins getting drafted in the third round. I like that a lot. Um, another guy I was not on my. He was not very much on my radar before, but he's he's here now. Uh, you know, I've heard his name. I just didn't even bother doing that much work on him because I wanted to see where he was getting drafted. Um, but Anthony Schwartz, man, this dude is twitched up, like twitchy, twitchy. Like ran a a, pro, a four two six at his pro day. You know, we don't we know we don't vibe with with those pro day times, so we had to adjust it. So four three one. Oh my god, the guy's so slow. No, obviously being facetious there. Four three one. He's amazingly flat fast. And when you watch him move on a football field, you're like, wow, this dude's fast. Um, you know, and and so goes to Cleveland with the Browns, gets a third round pick spent on him. I think that's good capital. I think the landing spot is good. Cleveland needed a receiver, and this is the guy they chose. He kind of reminds me of Robbie Anderson. 
Um, but I think he can be a little bit more than that, right? Because well, Robbie Anderson, very while well, he's very linear, um, you know, 6'3", 190 pounds, runs a 4'3". Uh, Anthony Schwartz, not as tall, only he's, he's six foot, but he's 186 pounds. But he, he does kind of remind me, build-wise, of Robbie Anderson. But I think he is a little bit more twitched up than Robbie Anderson, and so I think like this dude could fly, uh, and I think he, you know, he's got some short area quickness to jive with that with that um, speed as well. So excited about uh, Anthony Schwartz in Cleveland. I think this is a good fit for him. Um, and then Diami Brown going to Washington, ending up with the Washington football team. And, you know, that's a, a a guy that I think I wasn't overly excited about pre-draft. Um, but I think once you really realize his quarterback situation was was not was not the best uh, in college, and uh, you know his college coaches and you know probably weren't even the best for him really in terms of what they asked him to do because they kind of made him one-dimensional but uh from everything i've read and heard uh again i haven't watched a ton of diamond brown so take everything i'm saying right now with a grain of salt but um this guy's he's got the ability to be a, a vertical threat and he can win down the field um and so when you look at at that uh, you know he's six one, 185 pounds, four five one. Uh, I mean, you look at this guy. You know the ability to win down the field vertically. I think that's going to be great. I just you know the landing spot here is not ideal um, with the the uh, you know with Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's not a great vertical passer, downfield passer. Um, but talent, greater sign, landing spot. Diami Brown talented my Washington's clearly going to address quarterback at some point in the near future don't know when but they're going to so Diami Brown definitely fits in I think he's a he's going to be a field stretcher here for for the Washington football team I think he's going to be great for guys like Terry McLaurin and, and Curtis Samuel I think this probably does cap Curtis Samuel's upside a little bit I'm not too excited about Diami Brown now uh, well, about Curtis Samuel as I was prior to Diami Brown being added, um, you know this definitely hurts Antonio Gandy Golden, uh, who you know AGG one of one of the FF FF Diagnostics originals. Uh, is that even possible? Because it was just like last year, right? But anyway, um, you could tell I'm it's getting near the end of this podcast episode, so we should be wrapping this up really soon. But anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, that's where we're at with Diami Brown. Moving on to the tight end position, Kyle Pitts goes fourth overall to the Atlanta Falcons. That one's an easy, easy, easy projection going to Atlanta. Um, tight end eight, right, right, right away, right away. It's tight end eight, and it could even be higher than that, depending on what happens with the Julio Jones rumors and all these things. But tight end eight, uh, and I, I would take him top five pick in single quarterback drafts. Uh, if you are playing tight end premium, there's an argument that he could be uh, a top pick in that draft, then one a top two pick in that draft. So I'm excited about Kyle Pitts. I'm excited about what the future holds. I think he's going to be a productive tight end in fantasy for the next five to ten years. Uh, and then the tight end two off the board, Pat Fryermuth, went in the second round going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. This dude is going to go in, and he was my tight end two. Continues to be my tight end too. He's gonna go in and be uh, 
basically the next the reincarnation of Heath Miller hopefully if, if Pittsburgh really does get this if, if they get everything they hope for from Pat Fryermuth uh you know maybe they're trying to make Ben feel comfortable here with these with these uh make make him feel like he's getting a blast from the past here uh you know, so I'm excited about Pat Fryermuth in Pittsburgh. I think the prospects are great. Year one, I would not expect much. I've got him down as like my tight end 39 or whatever. Like he'll catch a touchdown in a couple weeks. Uh, you know, you know, probably catch a ball here and there. But Eric Ebron's still there. Should still see a significant portion of the snaps there for the Carolina or for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, uh, yeah, I, that's where I'm at with the so far with the rookies. Um, I'm excited to dig into day three of the NFL draft. I'm excited to see what my Jets keep doing. Um, but yeah, I would expect another one of these. I know I said we would do a two-parter. I think I just I think we just combine this all into one thing because it's like an hour and thirty-something minutes of me talking about prospects. Uh, make sure you check out that Twitter feed uh, that that uh, the, the you know the the thread if you want to see all the, the stat predictions. Uh, the yards, the touchdowns, things of that nature. Um, but if you want to hear more, obviously, I'm going to be talking about this in the next coming weeks. Um, probably going to be talking about rookies for a minute now because drafts are happening, dynasty drafts, rookie drafts. I know a lot of rookie drafts are going to start tomorrow. Some are going to start today. So I, I'm aware of this. And so obviously, we'll be talking about it for the next coming weeks. Um, but then you know it, you already know it. We're going to be right into projections. I've already been done my projections, so I'm going to talk about that that on here. Uh, but we're going to get into a lot of stuff, and it's pretty soon, next thing you know, it's going to be September, and we'll be talking about games, and I can't wait. So um, everybody, love y'all, appreciate y'all. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Again, please follow uh, follow me at JR Football Nerd on Twitter if you're not already. Make sure you're following the show at FF Diagnostics on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and then make sure you're following Greg on Instagram at we underscore made it. Have a good one, everybody. Enjoy the rest of the draft. Good luck to your respective franchises out there. And we will talk to y'all next time. We are out. Mm-hmm.